During this pandemic, a lot of people are sheltering in place alone. But it's one thing to be isolated, and another thing to feel isolated, to feel distant from others, like no one really gets where you're coming from. That's more like loneliness. It's been plaguing our society for a minute now. Since the internet first connected us to our neighbors and our neighbors' neighbors, it has promised to bring us together, which we don't need to debate the merits of that assumption. Sometimes it does, sure, but it brings a whole host of anxieties along with it too. For me, sometimes I'll go online, on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and it can feel like I'm under floodlights. The internet becomes a portal that sucks me into a magnified version of my current state, more anxious, more competitive, and ultimately, more lonely. But there's another key part to this story, to today's story. What do you do when you're forced indoors, like now? And what if, from the privacy of your bedroom, you do find connection? I had gotten okay with, like, my life looking a certain way. And perhaps it's that trite thing that people say of, like, oh, well, it happens when you're not looking for it kind of thing. Better than that, what if you find love? From Neon Hum Media, this is Telescope. I'm your host, Jonathan Hirsch. And Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future, we're going to bring you stories of people who are far away, up close, and how each of us are learning to live through this pandemic. Julia Bainbridge is a writer, editor, and podcaster. She started exploring loneliness several years ago as a way to make sense of a world that seemed both more connected and less connected than ever before. Some things had been knocking around in my brain for a while, like looking at modern life, right? Urbanization, declining birth rates, high divorce rates, the replacement of the traditional kind of multi-generational family with a nuclear family. In her research, she found some historians don't even think loneliness existed before the 19th century, at least not in the chronic, even fatal way it does now, which puts things into perspective. We belong to so little <laughs> compared to like my grandparents' kind of social lives and, and the larger kind of web of interdependence there. You know, you look at union church and club memberships declining and more and more people are living alone than ever before in human history. Um, and we don't have many strong social supports in this country. Like the internet can't be our only social safety net. And in this terribly ironic way, right now, kind of is. But at the time, Julia could see how, from 30,000 feet, her life was part of that data set of the lonely urbanite, true or not. And I think I was, I was feeling the lack of that. It being, you know, a woman living in this time, a person living in New York City, hardly knew my neighbors, right? There were just things I was feeling over the course of a decade or so, um, feeling and, and both looking at, kind of studying. So Julia started The Lonely Hour. It's a podcast where she interviews philosophers and experts about how loneliness has become its own kind of pandemic in our modern lives. I started this project because 
we seem to be experiencing a significant increase in social isolation and um, a decrease in connection to close friends and family. Um, that's according to studies a couple years ago from the National Science Foundation. Loneliness may be our next big public health issue. And those things are true. I'm not lying on my website, but what's also true is that I'm lonely. Julia isn't looking at this problem from the outside in. It's a part of her life, too, one she's trying to reconcile with her desire for deep, personal connection. The further I think about all this, I see how many things are connected to loneliness, right? Like, we, how we idealize individualism uh, in the West, certainly in this country. That's so foundational to, to our culture. And independence, um, honestly, capitalism. Like, <laughs> these are the drivers of large-scale loneliness. And I also think... I also think exceptionalism too, like with our focus on improvement and forward motion, like many of us have this impression that we need to be extraordinary and we work, work, work to prove our worth to others and to ourselves and we're never really satisfied. And I think that often leads to distress and mental unwellness. Basically, Julia's saying that even before coronavirus, American culture was engineered for a form of self-isolation. We were all islands pulling at our own bootstraps, desperately hoping success would bring us happiness. I know I'm guilty of that. And at least for certain singles, settling down wasn't necessarily in the cards. I think where my loneliness has stemmed from is the sense that I won't really be seen or found by the world in the way I want to be found. And I won't be seen or found by another person, namely like a, a romantic partner, the way I want to be. Online dating has become its own meme. Nobody likes it, but everybody does it. Julia is a user and detractor of online dating, like a lot of us. Something about the digitization of dating made it all, made kind of modern romance feel pretty bleak, you know? She says it's kind of like a video game. People are almost disposable. You can just kind of move on to the next. And I don't know, I've been lucky to have a pretty rich dating life, but also it's also exhausting. And that's not a unique feeling and that's not unique to post-Tinder era either. It's just one more way that modern life has become more lonely. Even with access to a near infinite Rolodex of potential dates, we aren't satisfied. Despite all of this, Julia says her dating life before COVID was busy and varied. But it was an approach that worked for her. I'm spinning plates all the time, John. You know what I mean? Like, I got things going on. Then that thing happened. That life-defining thing that makes going outside, let alone dating, an existential problem. And during this time, Julia's love life was relegated to her online life. She'll be the first one to tell you why that might be problematic. But it's not like she or any of us have a choice right now. And that's when she met someone. Let's just call him David. So this person was one of those where, like, I was sort of, like, sniffing around, right? We have a bunch of mutual friends and, and our industries are related. And so it would have made sense for us to follow each other on Instagram. Julia thought he was taken. So she followed him for a maybe future romance or one night stand. So I didn't, I wasn't yet flirty, 
I had gotten okay with like my life looking a certain way. And perhaps it's that trite thing that people say of like, oh, well, it happens when you're not looking for it kind of thing. Julia caught wind that he was moving to New York. And as a potential colleague, she slid into his DMs. He was leaving the city where he lives to move to New York. And I was asking questions about that, and he found a way to make it clear to me that he was single now. David was single. I also can't remember, like, when it went from zero to 100, but, like, it was during that time. It was, like, all this happened in the world. He was over there. I was asking questions about his safety and and when he was coming to the States and where he would, would he be coming to New York, which is the epicenter as planned to move or like that wasn't really possible now, what was he going to do? So we just started talking morning, noon and night. It just was like really natural. And there is a chemistry there that I have not felt in a very long time and a kind of like giddiness over each other that we have both described as not feeling since we were 14. Within a couple of weeks, they were talking to each other all the time. Julia now has a COVID boyfriend. And this is very unlike me, who, who again, likes to keep some plates spinning and flirting with people. I actually told a couple other men I was flirting with, like, you know, I've, I've developed feelings for someone and I feel like it's wrong to be, like, sexing with you. <laughs> and because he set it up to, for me to feel so safe because he's so forthcoming with his feelings, I told him about it, right, again, as a way to flirt, in which, like, You know, in so many other scenarios, when I've been dating people and you don't know where you stand, I would have kept that information private, right? But I told him and he said, oh, I did that a week ago, (laughs) like with the girls, the other girls I was talking to. Call it fate, serendipity. Julia and David found love in a hopeless place, if you will. While the rest of us were hunkered down, Julia was having phone sex with a man she'd never met. It's a little embarrassing to say I'm a 37-year-old, like, grown woman, you know, talking about this, like, digi connection with someone, you know, who knows, maybe there are people listening, rolling their eyes, but, like, there's the chemistry sexually, There's there are deep conversations we've had about, like, our past relationships and our families and our drug use and, you know... All of it. And, and and then we also fantasize together about like when we're finally together, the things that we'll do. And it's not all this extravagant stuff. You know, he, he was like, man, I just want to fucking go to CVS with you. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I want to do just normal shit with you too. I want to take a walk and I want to go to the grocery store and I want to cook and then I want to have sex in the kitchen and then we fall asleep. And like, it's like, I can see it all happening and so can he. It's like that expression, that absence makes the heart grow fonder, except in Julia's case, it was heart-pounding, mouth-watering, skin-prickling lust. Like, when we've talked to him, I'm like, I could almost feel you today. You know, like, my skin could almost feel you touching me because we, like, long for it so much and don't have it. I was thinking about him in the shower the other day, and I found myself literally kissing the wall. Like, my face was against the tile, and I was like... (laughs) Like, like I was so turned on and thinking about what he might... Like, as if I were practicing making out or some shit that we did when we were, like, you know, however old. It's like being on lockdown is turning them into teenagers again. They can't sneak out of their parents' house to meet in the high school parking lot. Julia's stuck inside, kissing walls, practicing for her first time with... Ah, David. In the before times, Julie admits that all the things they're fantasizing about would have already happened. And as horrible as the situation is right now, 
it's given Julia and David a unique opportunity. In no other universe would this have accelerated as quickly as it had. In no other universe would we be in this bubble where we're able to like drop everything and devote this time to one another. And we even have fun fantasizing about like what how this would have developed if we were in quote unquote like the normal world, right? We're like, oh, the, well, the first date would have been like, we're not really sure if it was a date yet or not. We would like maybe go to lunch because there was this professional connection and we'd see if maybe there was a vibe. And then, you know, and just sort of think about like, at what point would we maybe kiss? And that's all really fun. And, and I guess, you know, I was a little trepidatious about sharing this story with you, honestly, because there's so much horrible stuff going on right now. And I didn't wanna be gloating about some joyful experience. I wondered if that would be wrong. Julia's quarantine experience is in stark contrast to the way that most of us are feeling right now. Whether you're living alone or with roommates or a partner, a lot of the joy has been taken out of our lives. Americans were lonely, even at a time when they had their nights and weekends out. Now that those options have been limited to, well, nothing, what's a lonely person to do? I think that this time alone, and even if you feel lonely over that aloneness, can be a way to take stock, you know, a way to get some perspective. Like, to talk about David White, who I can't discuss loneliness without mentioning. He's a poet and philosopher. He talks about loneliness as a doorway to becoming. You know, it's it's kind of a difficult, it's a vulnerable doorway. It's one you don't always want to go through, but it is one that simplifies our life and it brings us down to this foundational understanding of what is the simplest thing we want and need in life. So he would say, try to see it as a foundation for understanding yourself. You know, that loneliness can show you where to go. In other words, your response to isolation can tell you about what makes you happy. And knowing more about yourself can change the way you respond to other people. I know in my building, we have like a WhatsApp group now and we never did before. I didn't even know my neighbor's names, right? <laughs> There's a, a lovely couple on my floor who's posted a, a letter on every, you know, the sort of hallway on every floor, you know, with their cell phone number saying, we can run errands if you're unable to do so. You know, this is, the, the, here are our names and our phone. Um, I did grocery shopping for a friend recently who has asthma and is nervous to be outside for that reason. So I got her groceries, right? And I felt happy to do it. I felt really full to be needed and, and to be able to, you know, provide for her. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. In February, Julia was looking out for herself. By April, she and her neighbors were looking out for each other. It's a surprising shift over a short time, but it might be the tonic that we all need right now. It doesn't 
cure your loneliness to be given someone to help you or to surround yourself with other people. What heals human loneliness is when you feel you have a reciprocal relationship, when someone is giving something to you and somewhere down the line you give back to them and and that you have to feel that you're kind of in it with the other person, you know? We live in a society that celebrates freedom and tells us to be true to ourselves at the expense of surrendering to a cause or rooting ourselves in a neighborhood or binding ourselves to others by social solidarity, et cetera. So we've taken individualism to this extreme and the way to repair is to make commitments to one another. When we commit ourselves to one another, we build a relationship that can't be broken by political disagreements or personal slights. When we rely on one another, We create a bond that's stronger than our shared interests or hobbies. We, in a sense, create community. And though it might sound kind of silly, the same idea is what has bonded Julia with David. Their willingness to commit to each other is what gives their relationship its spark. They know where the other person stands. You know, when I think like, how can I trust this? How can I know? There isn't a way. All you can do is live through it. And and maybe I can make choices about how I want to minimize the risk. Uh, but maybe falling for someone is always like this. You know, maybe it always feels a little unsafe at the same time as it feels drug level good, you know? And maybe this thing doesn't work out with this guy. I hope it does. And I know he hopes it does. But we're also like, yeah, maybe it doesn't work. We're not going to like, maybe we get in front of each other and the feeling just isn't there. And and we're not going to force that. Even still, it's all Julia can think about. The day when this is all over. And she can meet her new boyfriend face to face for the first time. Thank you to Julia Bainbridge for allowing us to step into her personal life this week. Few people are as open and honest about their relationships, let alone willing to share them with the world. We wish Julia and her long-distance boyfriend the best quarantine has to offer. You can hear more of Julia on her show, The Lonely Hour. It's amazing. I strongly recommend it. And you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Julia's also written an article about this new relationship for Refinery29. You can find a link to that article in the show notes of this episode. Every week, we receive emails, private messages on Twitter, posts on Facebook from listeners. Sometimes people even send us some voice memos of what's going on in their life right now. Here's one of a ritual in New York City. Every night at seven, people open their windows and clap for healthcare workers to thank them for their service. Share what your lives are sounding like in isolation by sending a voice memo to pitches at neonhum.com. Telescope is made possible by the world-class team of producers, editors, and engineers that make up Neon Hum Media. Today's episode was reported and produced by Tanner Robbins. John Asante is the managing producer of Telescope. Our editors are Vikram Patel and Catherine St. Louis. Our engineer is Scott Somerville. 
Thanks to Matt McGinley for our theme music and to Blue Dot Sessions for additional tracks you hear on this episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Neon Hum Media. Join us on Facebook by searching for Telescope. We want to stay connected to you during this unprecedented time in our history, so please don't be shy. Share your stories with us. You can slide into our DMs. If you have a story of life in isolation because of the coronavirus that you want to share with us, email us at pitches at neonhum.com. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. Happy Monday. We'll see you in a couple of days. All right, COVID BF, COVID BF. And as a, I say that without sounding creepy. And as a potential colleague, she slid into his DMs. Still sounds creepy. And as a potential colleague, she slid into his DMs. I can't say that without sounding creepy. (laughs) While the rest of us were hunkered down, Julia was having phone sex with a man. (laughs) Just the way you wrote this. (laughs) Julia stuck inside kissing walls, practicing for her first time with David. (sighs) David. Uh, (laughs) Tanner, it's too much. It's too much. (laughs) I hope that's okay.